stand on your faithfulness of who you are. And Jesus, we thank you that you are the same God as yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, as you say in your word in Malachi, you are the Lord and you do not change. So thank you, Jesus. And so, Father, I pray for those that are here this morning. Lord, those who need to know that you are the same God, that you move in their hearts today. Hey, Father, be with us as we open your word. Lord, let your word speak to us. God, I ask that your spirit will continue to move in this place, change hearts, change lives, because that's what you're in the business of doing. We love you, we praise you, we thank you, and we give it all to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? I can't hear. And everybody said? Amen. Well, hello, I'm Casey. I'm the campus pastor. I'll be preaching this morning. If you would turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Sorry, it's not going to stay like that. So, (laughs) thanks. She just said, oh, good. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> All righty. Well, hey, listen, I'm excited. Let me just throw a couple things out at you, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. I got a lot of stuff here today, a lot of stuff that's on my heart. You can tell God's already kind of stirring me up a little bit. Uh, and, and I'm hoping that today that, that God's Word is going to challenge us as a church. I want us to be challenged as believers of this church. I want you to be challenged. I want you to be stretched a little bit. I want you to be pulled a little bit. I, I, I want not necessarily uncomfortableness, but, but for some maybe a little uncomfortableness because we're going to talk about how we grow our kingdom. We're going to talk about how we grow the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about how we invite people to our church. Do you love your church? Because I love my church, and I love the people of my church, and I want to see people of my church loving their church in such a way they're going out and they're inviting people to come and be a part of God's movement. Amen? But let me tell you about this real quick. I want to throw this up here in a couple weeks. This is happening. But we have something that our students are doing. Speaking of inviting and speaking of this, this is the Back to School Bash. The Back to School Bash right here. Our students, our students, y'all are terrible. Are you serious right now? This was y'all's cue and you missed it? Listen, our students are having a back-to-school bath. So here's what I'm asking each and every one of you. Students, you know this. Invite a friend. Go to school. Pass out cards. Get as many people as you possibly can to here. Let me tell you a couple reasons why. Yes, we're going to have fun. Yes, they're gonna, there's going to be a dunk tank. There's going to be games. There's going to be a mechanical bulldog that Mama Dean's going to stay on this time. Y'all saw that picture of this woman up there, you know, riding it last time, okay? We're going to have an incredible time, and it's going to be awesome. And parents, I'm asking you to do this for me. If you have a 6th grader all the way to 12th grader, okay, make sure they're there. Help them invite some of their friends. That's right, we're 6th grade, all right? That was the best two years of my life, 6th grade. 6th grade to 12th grade. We're going to have them there. And so here's the, the thing that's going to happen while we're there, though. We're going to have a great time. There's food. There's all these things. But let me tell you what's going to happen. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to challenge students to look into their hearts and ask themselves whether or not they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And we're praying and asking you to pray on August the 21st that life change will take place in our building with students all over this area. Can, can, can I get your help with that? And, but it's going to take you as well. It's going to take you, hey, getting your teenager there, all right? If you don't have a teenager, I, maybe I encourage you to drive a van around your neighborhood and just pick them up. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do that. That would be horrible, uh, and you will be arrested, all right? So, no, don't do that. Don't do that. All right. So, do go to Luke chapter 5. We're going to jump into Luke chapter 5 in here in just a second. Um, but be ready for that. I'm going to give more information about that coming up. But it kind of leads me into what I'm going to talk about today, and that's really letting God use you, whether it's inviting people to church or whether it's just sharing the gospel with somebody, all right? So, be an inviter, all right? Let me just ask you this question. I don't want to show hands. No show of hands. But I know there's many of you in this room that you would like to see revival, right? I mean, I want to see a revival. I want to see what revival looks like in my time period. I've seen bits and pieces of revival. Pastor Key and I have been really talking about revival and what revival looks like. And we want to see it. And I believe it has to start in us. And then I believe that it comes out of us and begins to affect the things around us. But if we can start a revival in us, a revival in our church, it's going to have a revival in our city. It's going to have a revival in our state. State, it's going to have a revival in our country, and it's going to have a revival in our world. But where does it start? It starts with us. I love this little quote. It says, here's what revival is. It's the awakening or quickening of God's people to their true nature and purpose. Ooh. Awakening. Oh, I want to see an awakening. Mm, I so badly want to see people turn from sin and turn to God. I so badly want, if you haven't figured this out for me yet, you're, this is my, my heart. My heart is to see people who don't know the Lord, know the Lord. The people who have not tasted his goodness get a big old bite of Jesus Christ. Because it is so life-changing and it is so good. And I want to see everyone who doesn't know that, know that. And I can't go reach everybody, but you can go reach more people than I can. And I want to see this. And that's how that revival starts. So let me ask you a question. Nobody raise their hand because I'm not here to, to point you out or embarrass you, but I might. So is this, so no hands. When is the last time you invited somebody to your church? When is the last time that you really went to work and you went to school, you went to a job, or you were just in a grocery store and said, hey, you look like you need Jesus. Why don't you come? No, no, no. Maybe don't do it that way. But when is the last time you truly said, Hey, come visit me with my church. Come sit with me at church. I'll sit with you. I'll sit. I don't know when the last time was, and I'm hoping it was this week. But if not, I'm hoping this message challenges you today. So what are some primary reasons that people don't invite guests with you to their worship service? Let me give you a couple. These are the ones that I kind of found. This came through Lifeway, and I love this. And it kind of points out maybe you fall yourself in a couple of these, but let's see, all right? 31% says, I don't know. When you ask them straight up, hey, why don't you invite somebody to your church to be a part of your worship service, to come and hear about Jesus, to come worship, they just go, I don't know. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a man. That's a man's answer right there. Let's just be real. That's a real man's answer when you just go, I don't know. I mean, I do that to my wife constantly. She'll get, I'll get off the phone. I'll say, hey, something happened to such and such. Oh, what was it? I don't know. They just said something. We need to be praying for them. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Let's pray for him. But what happened? I don't know. Uh, that's just, so sometimes that's just a man's answer, right? But I don't know why that is. I don't know. Maybe they have their own reasons, all right? Here's, here's 20% says that they have refused, they will refuse my invitation. 
that they're, they're, they said they were just, they refused the invitation. All right, that's interesting. 17% says, I don't know anyone to invite. Okay, let's talk to that one just for a second. If we're just hanging out with our circle of Christian friends, it's going to be tough for God to use you. Now you he can, I'm talking about for the lost. He can use you in your circle of, of your godly friends. But God wants us to know more of this world. Yes, God wants to use us. And that's what I'm going to get into it for a second here. And, and I'm encouraging you to go out. I, I love this. I've met people who came to church, gave their life to the Lord, and was baptized and plugged in because of this reason right here. There was somebody I know who paid for the coffee of the person behind them at Starbucks or Summer Moon or whatever it was, and they had an invite card to their church. And this person handed them that card and said, I'm going to pay for the guy behind me. I want to pay for their coffee. And would you just hand them this card and say, it was on me, and here's just an invite card to my church. Well, that person did that, and it just happened to be that that was the day I was preaching up in Dallas, and that person showed up because this person bought their actual, you know, coffee and gave them a card. They showed up. I did my thing what God has me do, and those people, it was a husband and wife, both gave their life to the Lord that Sunday because this dude bought the coffee of the people behind them. Isn't that crazy and wild? You could do the same thing. If you're saying, I don't know somebody, then you could go and buy somebody's coffee. Now, I would make sure I would look see how many people are in their car first. Don't know if I would, you know. It's like, I'm going to buy their coffee. Yeah, that'll be 180 bucks. What did they order? You know, if that's the case, then give them about five cards. Okay. So 17% says, I don't know anyone to buy. 11% says, I'm not comfortable asking people to church. I think it's higher than 11%, honestly. I really do. I think it's higher. I think it's a lot higher than 11%. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who are like, you know, that's their thing. I just, man, that's not my thing. I just don't feel comfortable having a conversation. I don't feel comfortable saying, hey, come visit my church. 4% say this. I don't think it's up to me to bring people to church. I don't think that's us. And if that is one of you or 4% of you in this room, I don't think it is. Uh, we, I can't go around buying everybody's coffee. And I can't go around inviting everybody. And I invite as many people as I possibly can, as much as I possibly can, anywhere I'm at. I'm always carrying invite cards. I keep them in my wallet. I'm always asking people to come to, you know, and join me here. Uh, and, and, but I don't think that's us. I, you know, I really don't because I, I know most of you. Uh, I know you know, hey, it is a job. It is our responsibility. It's not just the pastor's job to do it. 2% says, I'm too busy serving at church on Sunday morning. I don't want to invite them because I'm with the kids. That could be a thing. There's only 2% of that. I'm not sure. I think you can still invite as well, though. And I love this one. 15% says other reasons. I'm not sure what all those are. Other reasons, 15% say other reasons. Maybe it's the pastor. Or the campus pastor, I guess. Maybe probably more likely. You know, or, or maybe it's, you know what? You could be embarrassed of your building. I know our students, that's a tough thing. I'm not going to, I don't want to dog on it too much here, but we got a gym that's been there since 1907. And our students are like, come to our student ministry. And they walk in and there's bats going, <laughs> like, oh yeah, we put those in. It's pretty cool. Yeah, come on in. 
our student pastors have done everything they could in their power to make it look good and all that kind of stuff. But let me tell you this, I don't want to get too far ahead of this. Pastor Keard said I can share this with you. He's going to talk about next week about some reviolation. Reviolation? What is that? I don't even know what that means. I'm not even sure what that means. <laughs> I just made up a word, okay? But that's going to happen. He's going to tell you more about what we're going to do to that gym over there for our students that's going to do some amazing things. And that, I think that's the part of it sometimes. You can't say that about this room, but definitely can say that about over there. So maybe it's embarrassment of a building. Maybe it's fear of rejection. Maybe it's the music. No, nah, I don't think it's that. All right. So I don't know what it is, but I do believe this, Okay. Throw this quote up here. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I'm ordinary. I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm an ordinary guy who loves Jesus. I'm an ordinary guy who just wants to see people come to know him. I'm just an ordinary guy leaning on Christ because there's no way I can do it myself. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. There's no way. I'm just an ordinary guy begging God daily to do extraordinary things through me. We're all just ordinary people, but God can use ordinary people. Let's look at this story in the Bible. This is one of my favorite ones. I'm so pumped about this today because this is probably of every story in here other than Jesus dying on the cross and saving me for eternity and I get a place in heaven. That's pretty cool. You can't beat that story. This is probably one of the best stories to me that I love the most. I'm glad I'm sharing it this morning, okay? Read with me. It's in Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 17. It says, one day Jesus was teaching. And Pharisees and teachers of the law, they were sitting there. And they've come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And look at this. It says, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And I like that it says that because Luke wrote this. And Luke wasn't there. Luke was a physician who came to know the Lord later, you know, in, in, in Acts we know about him. And Paul writes about him as well in some of his uh, Pauline epistles. But this right here, he wrote this and he talked to people who were there. He, he, he wrote this after interviewing and talking to people and, and really getting to know what the story is all about. And I love that he says, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. All right, so verse 18. Now some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him to the house to lay him before Jesus. So there are some men in this story that have a friend who needs Jesus. They have a friend who's paralyzed. They have a friend who's laying on a mat who can't move, and they know that Jesus is real. They know who he is. So they're saying, hey, man, maybe they were reading. I don't know how they knew Jesus was there. Maybe it was the Holy Land Gazette. Maybe it was the Jerusalem Times. I'm not sure. But they're like, dude, Jesus is in town. We got to get tickets. Let's go. You know? So they load their friend up. They say, dude, man, we're taking you to go see Jesus. He's like, I ain't got nothing else to do. Let's go. You know? So they load him up on his mat. You got to remember, they don't have wheelchairs. They don't really, maybe they had a cart with some wheels on it. Who knows? But they threw this guy up there and says, we are taking our friend to go see Jesus. I love this. Says when the now verse nineteen is where it gets interesting. Okay, that's a cool part of the story. Here's where it really gets interesting. Says now when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, so they get there. Get this, they show up. And there's so many people, because they all have heard that Jesus was in the building. They all heard it. Let me tell you this. If we sent out a Facebook tweet or, or, or if you guys knew that Jesus was preaching next Sunday, there would probably be no empty seats in this building. I would hope not. 
I think most of us would run out of this place and go, you're not going to believe it. Jesus is coming, man. He's going to be here. I think we would. Or if I told you this, here's sad. Well, I don't want to say too sad. But if I told you Justin Bieber was going to be here next week, Lily would be here, I'm sure, you know, and, and uh, right there. You'd be right here, you know. And he was going to be here and playing his, he was going to sing some Christian music for us. And he was going to tell us a little about his faith. Let me ask you this question. Would you go invite people to come to that? Probably so, huh? Some of you would. I mean, the dude's loving Jesus now. Who knows? I don't know. But maybe you would. You probably would. Or, or, or pick your favorite artist, you know, and say whatever. That would get us there. But look, they show up and it's packed. It's, I mean, it's crowded. It is like, you know, so they could have rolled up with their friend and went, oh, man. Hey, buddy, can I get in real quick? Can I? Hey, you know, I'm sure they talk to people. Hey, is there a way I can get in? Can I, can I get my friend down the aisle here to go see Jesus real quick? And probably people are like, nah, man, no, I'm sorry. You, we've been here all day. We, we camped out. We got our tickets early, man. Ticketron, you should have tried it. You know, I don't know. Ticketmaster, we got to No. And they could have easily said, hey, man, I'm sorry. It's just too crowded. Let's just go ahead and go home. We, we, we came all this way. We tried to get you in. You know, sorry. Yeah, sorry. You know, and they could have just said, let's go. But look what this. I, this is the part that I love. This is the part I want to be these guys. Look at this. So that when they cannot find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof. They go up on the roof and they lower him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Picture this, please. This is how I read the Bible. I picture these things, right? And so I'm now seeing Jesus standing up there. Maybe this. I don't know how Jesus talked. He did a couple of these maybe. I don't know. I mean, he's Jesus, so he can do whatever. But he's up there talking. And everybody's glued in. And these guys, you know, maybe this, because that's all the pictures do, right? You know, it's like, Jesus, you know, I don't know. But he's up there, and he's talking, and they're engaged. And all of a sudden, these guys outside go, we got to do something, man. So one guy had to go, hold on a minute, stay right here. Yo, come here, come here, come here, come here. Why don't we climb up the roof? We'll get some rope, we'll tie it around him, and we'll just throw him down there in front of Jesus. Dude, you know he's laying there going, hey, yo, I can hear you, man. And they're like, what are you going to do? So they tied ropes around this guy. They climb up on the roof. And this, this is not just like some easy thing happening here. You know there had to be other people walking by going, what are they doing with that guy? And they're pulling him up on the roof. Now they got to go find the tiles to where Jesus is at. You know they pulled a couple back that probably wasn't where he was, right? They probably, oh, sorry, sir. Oh, that was the restroom. All right, so they get over. And they find out where he's at. They pull the tiles back, and there he is. There's Jesus standing there doing his Jesus thing. And they're like, we're, this is it. We're getting our friend in front of Jesus no matter what. And they tie these ropes around, and they start to lower him down. Picture this, please. As you're sitting in the crowd going, Jesus is good. Whoa. Oh, that Jesus is good. Look at this. Oh, he comes to town. He puts on a show. Look, they got floating people coming down the wall, you know. And this guy now is going, voop, voop, voop. And he's just laying there. He's just like this. Probably looked over with. Because I'm sure they didn't just go, you know. Right? That would have been, you know, he's, they're like, he's already paralyzed. Whatever. So they lower him down right in front of Jesus. And people are like, wow. And he probably knew, this guy that was laying there probably knew people out there. He probably knew people in the crowd. And this is the best part. Look at this. He says this. 
They lower him down. He gets right in front of him. And Jesus could have said anything. He could have said, hey, man, why are you interrupting my um, speech? I had a speech going. And you... No, he does the coolest thing. Look at this. He says this. When Jesus saw, and I need everyone to say this. Everybody say, their faith. See, he didn't say when Jesus saw this guy's faith. Now, did he have to have faith? Of course. But look at this. He said when he saw whose faith? Their faith. When he saw the faith of these men who stepped out of the box, went up on this roof and lowered their friend right in front of Jesus and laid him in front of him. He says, when he says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now look what happens. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they begin to think to themselves, who's this guy who can speaks blasphemy? Only God can do that, forgive sins. Well, check this. Jesus says, <laughs> he knew what they were thinking because he's Jesus. Thanks. He says, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But, but, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he says to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them and took what he was laying on, and he went home praising God. Can you imagine how cool that was because of their faith? Let me give you four things, all right? I'll be done by 1.30. Just hang on with me. Number one, write this down. God uses people who make themselves available. God will use us when we make ourselves available. We have to make ourselves available to him. And let me tell you this really cool thing real quickly, and I'll need some of your help for this. Well, as you know, Covington opened their doors for us. They just said, come on in. I met the principal, and the Covington principal last year said, come on. We fed them. I spoke to their students. We did a lot of cool things. We've even seen some of their students come to know the Lord because of this. Well, that principal left. And I was like, oh, well, there goes that door. Well, I get a call this week from a guy who's the assistant principal going, hey, man, I need you to come over here and meet our principal because he wants you to come speak to the students and could you feed us again? I go, absolutely. Isn't that cool? You know why? Because we made ourselves available. That's why. We've made ourselves available. So much so that they're like, hey, could you do it again? So this Wednesday, we're going to go over and feed the teachers once again. So if you would like to help, please find me. If you'd like to help set up, please help me. If you'd like to buy the tacos, please find me. All right? So I'm going to go over there. We're going to feed them. We're going to say hi. We're going to say we're next door. We love you. If you need anything, come on. That's making ourselves available. You know what else makes ourselves available? When we put God number one in our life, you're automatically registered as being available. When you put God as number one in your life, you register, you register, ooh, I'm struggling. You've registered, I'm talking too fast. What's happening? I need to slow down. All right. Trying to get it all in. You're already registered as being available. When you put God number one in your life, being at the right place at the right time. The Bible says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. My wife and I just, we've been happily married for 21 years. We just uh, celebrated our 22nd marriage anniversary. It's a joke, okay. <laughs> like, I know some of y'all just went, did he just say that? Yeah, first year was rough. Um, no, I'm kidding. We've been happily married for 22 years. And we say we, we, our 22nd year, we went to San Antonio. And our goal was spend time with each other. She's a busy basketball coach. Um, I don't do much. But, you know, she's busy. No, we're very busy. 
And so we just wanted to spend two days, just her and I, just us, go to eat, go hang out, just, you know, walk the river walk and talk and hold hands and just sit and people watch. Who loves to people watch? Oh, I love people watching. So the, uh, I think it was like the, 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 our anniversary day, the 29th, it was Friday. We go and we sit down and it's just us. We're just watching people walk by and we're like, oh, look how funny that guy looks. No, we're just, just having fun. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, this, this couple sits with us. And I go, oh, come on, man. This is my anniversary. It's today, 22 years. I want to focus on her. And the guy drops right in with, hey, what are you guys? Who are you? Where are you from? Da, da, da. And Vicky's like, I'm a basketball coach. And he goes, what do you do? And I go, uh, here we go. Here's how I run them off. You ever heard of church's chicken? No. Um, I go... <laughs> For those of you who remember that story, I go, I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh. And then leans in. I go, oh, here we go. Leans in. Says I was in the military. I said, oh, our sons, he's at West Point. Yay. And, you know, we kind of did that. And then he leans in more and says, hey, so um, I murdered or killed people indirectly. I'm like, well, man, you're really putting a damper on my anniversary right now. <laughs> he said, I was in the military. I, I, I took people's lives. Indirectly, indirectly, you name it, I did it. He says, I was a police officer and I had to do the same thing. And he looks straight at us and says, does God forgive me? And I said, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Always be ready, always be ready. And then we, my wife, she actually took over the conversation. It's really funny how it happened. I go, actually, and she goes, blah. I went, all right, she's got it. <laughs> go ahead, lady. <laughs> just, and she just threw the gospel down, just threw it all down. And I go, yeah, what she said. <laughs> I said, are you the pastor or is she the pastor? What is going on here? But we left it with this. We got to just really speak into this person's life. And right when we were like, and this is what I said. I was honest. We got to the end of this. We shared the gospel. We got him thinking. He said, thank you. He said, I have peace. And he said some things, a bunch of things that were just like, oh, I feel good about doing this. And I go, sir, I said, I'm celebrating my 22nd anniversary. I'm about to grab a uh, piece of cheesecake and go upstairs and finish this, uh, this night. And he goes, oh, yeah, go ahead, buddy. All right. <laughs> And then we end up uh, seeing them every day we're there for two days, just walking and just stopping and saying hello. And from this piece, this moment of when he sat down with this distraught on his face to when he, we saw him the rest of the time just smiling and saying hello. Because we made ourselves available. And I'm not bragging on us, I'm bragging on God. And I, I'm an ordinary guy trying to do extraordinary things through Jesus, okay? And that can happen to every single one of you in this room if you make yourself available and be ready, okay? God uses people who make themselves available. I'm going to go quickly, so get ready. Number two, God uses people who dare to be different. Those people dare to be different. They said, you know what? It was crowded. It was tough. It was rough. But guess what? I'm going up on the roof anyway, and I'm dropping them down, okay? He said, uh, you know what being different is? Being different is living for the Lord every single day of your life in this world. Being different is screaming it from the rooftops that you believe in Jesus Christ and a God who rescued you and a God who saved you. Look at this verse. I love it from the message in Matthew chapter 5. It says, here's another way to put it. You are here to be the light, the light bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. Can I get an amen on that one? 
God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. God wants to shine through us today. God wants to shine through us at work. God wants to shine through you students at school. God wants to shine no matter where we are. He wants us to shine so people will see the God colors in our life. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, the generous Father in heaven. God uses people who dare to be different. Here's number three. God uses people who follow him completely and don't give up. I believe that these men who brought their friend to Jesus, I believe 100% that they were following him completely. And they also didn't give up when they got there and it was too crowded. Okay? They knew they had to do something. You know, Pastor Key several weeks ago talked about our son who's at West Point. And six weeks ago, he started this basic training where he, remember Pastor Key, he kind of mentioned the fact that, you know, he went in there with all these accolades and all these basketball things or whatever, meant nothing to those people. For six weeks, he's been broken down. For six weeks, he's just been, you know, I mean, broke his party down and lifted back up. And tomorrow, they, he's done. He's actually done. And they do this thing. It's a 12-mile walk, all right, or march, 12 miles. You can kind of see what it looks like. But the whole crew of them are at Lake Frederick, and they're marching back 12 miles to signify we're done. They're, they're coming back. They're in this thing. It's really cool deal. Um, and my wife and I are actually getting up in the morning, and we're going to walk 12, six miles. Um, <laughs> we're going to do half of it. We thought, let's get up the same time he gets up, because they gave us a time schedule. And my wife and I, uh, and anyone who would like to join us, um, are going to get up at 5, or actually before 5, start at 5 and walk three hours and do six miles, half of what they're doing. Uh, just to just do it, just to say we did it because he's doing it. But it, here's what it signified. That's why I share this with you. They're doing it together. And for us as, as, as God followers, God uses people who follow him completely. Trust me, they have to follow completely uh, their cadres. Absolutely. And what this signifies tomorrow when they walk through Washington Gate, when they walk by the superintendent's house, which is a big thing for them, they get to say, I completed this and I didn't give up. It was six weeks of absolute torment, and he gets to walk through that gate tomorrow with 1,200 other guys saying, I didn't give up. And God doesn't want us to give up. God doesn't want us to give up when we ask that person and they deny us. God doesn't want us to give up every time we pray for somebody to come to the Lord. He doesn't want us to give up. Last point is this. God uses people who are willing to take a risk. I'm standing here today because a guy took a risk on me. This guy invited me to church when I was very young and going through a lot of stuff. His name was Brent Craig. And, and, and this guy, after I said, absolutely not, I would never come to your church. I don't believe in your God. I don't believe in those things. This guy kept on asking me to come to his church. Even to a point where I said, if you ask me to come to your church one more time, I'm going to bust you in the mouth. I said that. And I was serious. And the dude backed up five steps and said, okay, we meet at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. And I said, I will throw my shoe at you. Sometimes it's taking a risk. And it is maybe a risk. But here's the thing. Risk is about changing the world. One of my favorite authors and missionaries is James Hudson Taylor. He wrote this. 
unless there's, I'm going to turn around and look at it, because unless there is the element of extreme risk, unless there is an element of extreme risk in our exploits for God, there's no need for faith. There's a risk. I'm going to ask you to come out and play real soft, and I'm going to close down with this. There's a risk. Maybe, I don't think we're risking like what we have in other countries where you have invite somebody to church and they're from a different uh, government and then they arrest you and kill you. That's a different risk, right? Here's our risk. Hey, would you come to church and maybe come check out our worship service? Maybe come and check out our block party? Maybe come and check, we do a lot of things here for you to invite people. Hey, would you come and check those things out for, you know, there's a risk of what? No, there's your risk. There's other countries where if you invite somebody and have a church, they kill you. <laughs> That's a whole different risk. We don't face that. I think if you've ever been to a different country where they're really anti that, where they kill Christians, you would appreciate more. I think we would appreciate more our freedom that we have in this country. That we can invite somebody to church and not have that. And Lynn, if you come up and play real soft, we're going to be done here. Let me read this verse to you and I'm going to close. It says, the same good news that came to you. I'm talking to believers in this room. Those of you who are saved. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changes your life. From the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Are you hearing that? It's going out. God wants to use us as light bearers. He says, shine. So it's starting with one. Maybe it's just one. Maybe just starting with one. So let me ask you this question. Who's your one? Who's your one? Today we're going to pass out cards. I'm going to have cards and our first impression team is going to have cards out there. There's just an invite card that says you belong. And I'm going to ask every single one of you in this room to grab a few of these cards and do what God leads you to do with them. Who's your one? Who are you thinking about right now that needs to hear about this wonderful God? Who are you thinking about right now at work, at home? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a mom, a dad. Maybe it's a brother or sister. Maybe it's a husband or wife. Maybe it's just a best friend. Maybe it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Maybe it's somebody at school. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe somebody in your neighborhood that just needs to hear about this. I'm going to ask you to take a card and go find somebody. I'll close with this last story. I love this story. There was a guy, and he was a doctor, and he was an eye doctor. And so he was a mission guy, and so he went on a mission trip. And on his mission trip, he went to this village out in the middle of nowhere, and he was working on people's eyes. He would take their cataracts and, you know, and fix it so they could see. Well, it was his very last day there of doing surgeries, and the very next day, he was actually going to make the long trek back home, you know, later that evening, catch a plane, and be done because he was there for five days. Well, this man came from a very long way, and he gets there, and he is not seen in 50 years. He is not seen. And this man did a little surgery, which wasn't pretty, you know, too much, apparently. And this man was able to open his eyes after this little surgery and see for the first time after 50 years, he could see. And he celebrated in such an amazing way. He would just jumped up. He hugs this doctor. He runs out the door and leaves. Gone. The doctor was like, all right, next, you know. So he finishes up the day. 
goes to sleep, gets up very early the next morning. The very next morning, he goes out with a cup of coffee, and he's sitting on the back porch of this little hut that he has been doing these surgeries in, and the sun is now coming up over the horizon, and he looks up, and he sees, and he can't make it, like his mind wouldn't let him make out what he's seeing. It looked like about 30 people walking in line, like a straight line. And he's like, what is going on? I've never seen this. And he looks, and as it gets a little closer and a little closer and a little closer, he recognizes that the guy that he did the surgery on the day before that jumped up, that hugged him, that took off running, had a rope over his shoulder. And there was about 20 or 30 people holding the rope, walking with him. This guy went back to his village, got the longest rope he could, and dragged it through the street and said, if you want to see, grab a hold of this rope, because I'm going to take you to a man who can let you see the light. I'm going to take you to a man who's going to let you see something you've never seen before. Grab the rope, and he drug it through town, pulled it over his shoulder, and walked through the entire night with about 20 or so blind people holding on to a rope for this man to do the surgery on. Can I say this, church? It's time for us to drag a rope through the city of Austin. It is time for us to drag a rope through the city, uh, uh, maybe through your neighborhood, maybe through your school, through your job. It's time to drag a rope and say, come on, let me take you to a place that will let you see. Let me take you to a place where God can get a hold of your life. Remember, we are blind, but now we can because of Jesus. Only because of Jesus. He would take ordinary people like us and do extraordinary things. Would you close your eyes and be real still? I got two things for you. I know we've had a fun morning. And I'm a little fired up. But I got two questions for you this morning. One is this. Hey, maybe you've never seen yourself. Hey, maybe you've never come to a place where you've stepped across that line and you've asked, you've asked Jesus Christ to rescue you, to save you. See, the gospel is this. That God loved us so much, he sent Jesus Christ to this earth to take every problem, every mistake, every mess up, everything we've ever done, and says, I forgive you. And all you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and follow me. He says, follow me. He's the same God who, that man right there who laid in front of Jesus, forgave his sins and healed him. Maybe today you need your sins forgiven and your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Maybe it's today you need Jesus to rescue you, to save you. And if that's you, I want to give you that opportunity. That opportunity goes like this. All you got to do is just say, hey, Jesus, maybe look in your heart. Look, it's about the heart. It's not the head, it's the heart. People miss heaven by 18 inches sometimes. They got a lot of God knowledge up here in their heads, and they miss it in their hearts because it's about the heart. Because when you get Jesus in the heart, it changes us. The Bible says the old is gone, the new has come. We've become brand new creations, brand new creatures. 
and it changes us. So maybe this is the day today that you need to say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart and rescue me and save me. Look in your heart. Do you know him this morning? Or do you know just about him? So if you want to know him, just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. I believe that today you're speaking to me. So I confess my sins to you and ask you for your forgiveness. So come into my heart, rescue me, save me. God, I'm ready to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. No one looking around. If you prayed that prayer, would you just put your hand up and say that to me? And if you prayed it, I want you to come find me later. I'm not asking you to come forward, do anything like that. But if you prayed it today for the first time and you really meant it, come find me. Let's talk about what that means. Here's my second thing to you. And then we're closing, we're singing, we're out. And that's this. I've been talking about, and I threw it up there, who's your one? Maybe it's more than one. But when I look at this story about this paralyzed man, and I think about his story, I know that we know people who are not necessarily physically paralyzed, but their heart paralyzed. And they just need an awakening in their own life. And I want us to pray for them right now. I want us to pray for maybe that one person you're thinking about or one person that's really on your heart, that God can use you. And whether it's bringing them here or you doing it yourself, whatever. But would you right now as a church, would you begin to pray right here, right now for that person? Would you pray that God will open a door for you this week? Would you pray that God will open a door for you this week to share your faith with them? Would you pray that God would open a door this week to maybe hand them a card and say, come visit us? Would you pray right now that God would open that door? Would you pray that God will soften some hearts? Because I know some of you are saying, you don't know my friend. You don't know my loved one. You don't know this person. Their heart is so hard and it's so stubborn. Well, guess what? God can melt that heart. The same God who hardens clay melts wax. And God can soften a heart in a minute. So pray that God will soften maybe a hard heart. So we're going to sing this last song. I'm encouraged for some of you who are really burdened by a friend, a loved one, or someone who doesn't know the Lord, that you'd come to the altar. That you'd come up here and just give it to him. Lay it down to him. And if you did pray that prayer and you really need someone to talk to, Pastor Chuck will be over here. Pastor Harley's going to be on this side. And maybe you need some prayer. Those two guys are going to be there to pray for you. I'll be down here too if you need prayer as well. But I want to spend this next few moments, we're almost done, this last song, just praying through that. So would you stand as I pray? Father, we love you. God, I thank you so much for your word today. I thank you for we can laugh and have a good time today. But more than anything, God, I thank you that you can challenge us with your word. And so, Father, I pray for that those who are in this room who are praying even right now for their friends and their family members and their people. God, I pray right now is maybe even some come to the altar and say, I'm just going to pray for them, that they know this is a place and it's safe. And let us pray that, God, you will rescue them. You will save them. 
So we give it all to you, Jesus. We give this time to you as we come to your altar. Lord, open a door for these guys today. Soften some hearts. Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Come on, this is your time right here. Altar's open. There's some prayer. People that will pray with you. But let's sing this song.